just as I am. Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And What does the Bible say about leadership in the family? To begin, I'd like to consider how God calls men to lead their families, and then I'd like to spend a few minutes thinking about the qualities of effective leadership. And then finally, I just want to encourage all of my fellow fathers, all of my fellow men to just be men. So God calls men to lead their families. This is a call that is made in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but let's spend a few minutes thinking about what the New Testament has to say. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, it might not be politically correct to say this, but it's undeniable. The Bible is teaching us that men are to lead their families. The husband is the head of the wife. And I do include the rest of the family in this as well. A few verses later, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Paul says to the fathers, Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The responsibility to, to rear children, to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, that responsibility is placed on the shoulders of fathers. Now, obviously, mothers are involved in that process. We know Timothy was heavily influenced by his godly mother and grandmother. So that's not to say that mothers don't have a role in in rearing their children. It's just simply to say that that fathers, as the leaders of their home, are called to, to raise their children and to make sure that this is done, that they're raised in the training and admonition of the Lord. An elder in the church is to be the husband of one wife, and he should be one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house... How will he take care of the church of God? So the pattern in Scripture is very clear. Men are to lead, women are to be subject to their husbands, and fathers are responsible for overseeing the rearing of their children. So men are the leaders of their families. So what makes a good leader? Well, to illustrate effective leadership, I'd like to go to a parable. A parable in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 11 through 27, the parable of the minas. Now, I don't have time to read through that parable or to, to explain it in any detail, but I do think that there are some principles we can draw out of the parable about effective leadership, so I would encourage you to read it on your own and study it for yourself and then think about if what I have to say is true. Now, as the leader of my family... I must recognize that while authority has been conferred by God, my family's confidence in my leadership is earned. When we think about that parable of the minas, we see that one man is given a single mina and he turns that mina into ten. What does it require for someone to grow one mina into ten? 
When Jesus rewarded the first two men with authority over ten cities and five cities respectively, he was not handing out participation trophies. Rather, these two men demonstrated a level of competence and were consequently rewarded with greater authority. So what this parable teaches us is authority requires competence. If we want our children and our wives to respect the, the position to which we have been called by God, we must endeavor to be competent leaders. But competence does not mean mistake-free. In fact, competence is filled with potholes and detours. Now, in looking at the parable of the Minas, we only see the successes of the two men who earned nine Minas and four Minas with the original investment given to them. We don't see the failures that may have happened along the way. Warren Buffett says the dumbest decision, the dumbest investment he ever made, was the purchase of Berkshire Hathaway. His early history with that company is a story of failure, and Buffett describes those failures with some very colorful metaphors. But with dogged determination, he built it into the company whose net worth has swelled to some $655 billion the last time I checked. So even the most successful competent investor in American history made blunders. So when I say that we as husbands and fathers should aspire to be competent leaders, I'm not saying competence is failure-free. What I am saying is how we handle failure will ultimately determine how competent we are as leaders. The two men who saw their return on their investment were given the same amount, one mina, and yet one returned 10 and the other 5. Certainly it could be that the one who returned 10 minas had natural skills that either the other man did not possess or did not possess to the same degree. But perhaps the difference between the two actually came down to how they each handled failure. Perhaps the one who was only able to accrue 5 minas, perhaps he uh, didn't handle failure as well as the other did. How we as husbands and fathers handle failures will determine the degree to which we are competent in both realms. So aspiring to be a competent leader is not aspiring to perfection. It's a willingness to develop, to grow, and to learn. Now, another quality of effective leadership is that a, a good leader, a competent leader, is trustworthy. In the parable of the Minas, Jesus praises both of these men for their faithfulness. The master had entrusted them with his money, and they proved by their conduct to be trustworthy. And because they were trustworthy, the master increased their responsibilities. Trust is at the basis of all human relationships. Broken trust between a husband and wife or between parents and children leads to harmful and potentially disastrous consequences. Trust depends on truth. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, Paul urges us to put away lying, to speak truth with our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Truth maintains our interconnectedness with one another. If we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with our wives and with our children, they will, in turn, trust us. Even when we make mistakes, that trust will be intact. Trust is also built by open lines of communication. James urges us to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Men whose gentleness makes them approachable, who listen to understand, 
who think before speaking, they encourage a deep reservoir of trust in their families. So a competent leader is trustworthy, and he works to build that trust with honesty and solid communication. An effective or competent leader accepts responsibility and does not blame others for his failures. Back in that parable of the Minas, notice what the third servant says to his master. He blames his failures entirely upon the master. He says, For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Now, to put this another way, the man is saying, My failure is your fault. The practice of transferring responsibility for my actions to either external factors or to other people has reached epidemic proportions in our present age. As leaders of the home, men are entrusted with a measure of authority from God, and we must be willing to assume either partial or full responsibility for the failures of our home. Now, notice I said either full or partial responsibility. Not every failure of the home falls on the shoulders of men. There are factors that are outside of our control. However, I think it is a good practice to either find some way that I have contributed to the problem or I'm willing to examine myself to see if there was something I could have avoided. Again, that doesn't mean that I'm accepting full responsibility. It simply means I'm willing to look at myself and hold myself accountable and above all to learn. So as leaders, Christian men must avoid blaming others and be willing to hold themselves accountable. Another quality of effective leadership is humility. A competent leader must be humble. The authority with which Jesus rewards the first two servants is, a, is an authority nested within a greater authority. Their authority over 15 cities is under the auspices of his authority as the newly crowned king. In our current socio-political climate, we have become obsessed with redefining all human interactions in terms of power dynamics. But folks who do this fail to recognize that a, a key fact, that genuine authority constrains the arbitrary exercise of power. When Peter cut off the ear of the high priest, Jesus rebuked him with, Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then can the scripture be fulfilled that it must be thus? Now in that moment, Jesus was constraining his authority. He had very real authority. He could call upon the angels of heaven to come to his rescue. But he yielded himself to the will of his heavenly Father. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And it's in that humility that we see his authority constrained. He did not exercise the full authority that was available to him. But there's something else in that example. We see that he constrained that authority out of genuine concern for the human race. Authoritarians seek to control the actions of others, to wield power in order to manage how others think, how they act, how they feel. In contrast, those who use their authority in a godly way 
feel a very deep responsibility for those whom they are called to lead. And this is the attitude of Christ, that he constrained his authority out of a sense of humility and out of a desire to help other people. It was for the salvation of our souls that he did not call those legions of angels to come to his rescue, even though he had that authority at his disposal. His humility and his desire for the good of others helped him to act in the right way and helped him to constrain his authority in that moment. Humility moves a competent leader to be authoritative, not authoritarian. As I draw this to a close, I just want to encourage my fellow fathers to be the men God has called us to be. What I find troubling is that the image of Christian masculinity glorified in these circles is more John Wayne than it is Jesus Christ. My friends, we need to be very careful how we conform our lives and to whom we conform our lives. Without question, the church is in desperate need of godly masculinity. We need men to aspire to be the men God calls us to be. But in pursuing a good objective, let's be careful to whom we conform ourselves. Jesus Christ is our example. Let us follow that example. Let us become more like Jesus. Let us learn more about him by looking into his word, by modeling our lives after him, and by becoming the man God has called us to be. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.